Welcome to the Victory Family Church Newcastle Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we pray that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and hopefully challenge you to become everything that God has called you to be. Here's Pastor Matt Porter. Well, good morning. How are we doing? We good? Yeah. Glad you guys are here uh, today. If, if you don't know me, my name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here if you're a guest with us, man, honored, honored that you would come and be a part of what we think God is doing in this place. Let me say this to you. Welcome home. Welcome to the family. We're super glad. When you walk through these doors, we really feel like you are family, and so we're thrilled that you are uh, here uh, today. Hey, listen, man, this is our first Christmas together. Come on. Outstanding. Super excited for this season, man. It's always good, man, but this is our first as VFC Newcastle, and so I'm ex- uh, just extremely excited for what God is, is already doing and, and going to continue to do. Let me say a few things before we get going today. First, uh, I, it's okay. I know some of you, like when the, when the announcements come up, like you, you, you're going to sneak out, head into the buffet. That's okay. That's okay. But today, don't you do it. Don't do it today. I'm telling you, you think this musical talent we have on this stage is great every week? Very average compared to what you have in store for afterwards. So do not leave early today. It is going to be unbelievable. You're not going to want to miss uh, that today. I want to make sure you also know our Christmas Eve services. Man, bring somebody. That's a great time, man. People will say yes on those type of holidays, 4.30 and 6. Man, they've honestly, there's been a couple of different rehearsals for that. It's going to be a great uh, great time also, so you're going to not want to miss that. Well, let's go to work. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 2 uh, today. If you have your Bibles, we're going to pick up at verse 1. But being that it's our first Christmas here in Newcastle's VFC, being that we saw the video that now we may even, may even more be confused than maybe we were before, after that, I thought we would take a Christmas quiz. I thought today we would start today with a Christmas quiz. You guys ready? You guys study for this quiz? You ready? Like, I want to take this all together. Let me ask this question because I think we've already created a little confusion with the video. How many wise men were there? We think three, maybe. Maybe there were three, like we don't really know. You may be wrong. The Bible just said there were three gifts that were actually brought. Uh, might have been two dudes, might have been four. Someone brought some hummus. I mean, who knows? Like, how many there were? Could have been 10. We just know there were actually three gifts that were, that were brought. How about this question? This is a good one. So, you guys have nativity scenes at your house, maybe. Did the wise men visit Jesus in the manger, like this right here? No, they did not, in fact. They did not at all. That is wrong. If your nativity scene looks like that, it's wrong. Listen, like, it just means it's theologically inaccurate. I'm not saying it's heretical. I'm just saying it's wrong and you should change it in your house. So at the, the Porter house, let me tell you how we do it. So I, I want to make sure we stay biblically accurate in our house. So we put Mary, Joseph, and all these guys right here around. That's in the, that's, that would be uh, west in our house. That, that's so, almost as, as west as you can get in our house. But the Bible doesn't say they were there. We put the wise men, actually. That's the garage. That's the east wall, <laughs> as far east as possible. The Bible says they're on their way from Persia. They're not there yet. They're on their way, but they have not Arrived. In fact, really, man, if you look at the text, man, the visitation from these dudes says actually was in a house, not, not this place at all. More than likely hanging out with a year and a half, two-year-old Jesus and his parents when they actually showed up. And so we just want to stay, we're going to try to stay relevant, going to stay accurate here. They're in the East. How do I know this? 
The Bible. The Bible actually says that. The Bible actually says that. Well, let's go to work in your Bibles if you have them. We're in Matthew chapter 2. We're going to read about the birth of Christ, Mary, and Joseph. And the Magi may be these three guys. We're not really sure. But I want to see, really, the only account that's even given of the wise men is in the Gospel of Matthew. And so what I want us to do this morning is I want us to kind of dial in to kind of their world and and what they're seeing through this story. And so we're going to read it here together and see what the Bible actually says about this, this, this incredible, incredible story that literally changes our world. It's changed our world. So Matthew chapter two, starting at verse one says this. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, Behold, wise men from the east came, from, came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw a star. That's why we're here. We saw a star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling, that's what he did, assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them, where? Where? He doesn't understand the story. Where is this Christ to be born? They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, like it's already been prophesied in the Old Testament. We already know that's already said. And you, O Bethlehem, that's them, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. That, that's Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what this star appeared, what time this star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold... The star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So let's talk about these wise men just for a minute. Here's what we know about the wise men. You ready for this? Nothing. Like we literally know nothing about this. We, we literally know nothing. We know that they're from the east. We think they could be Babylonians. They could be Arabs. Like we don't really quite know much about it. We know they're basic astrologers. They're in the stars. Like we know that. We know they saw a star, right? That's the pinnacle of the story almost sometimes. They saw a star. Well, let's talk about the star for a second. What is it? What, is it a star like you and I know it? Like, what is this star? Because listen, over and over, if you'll read your Bible, the Bible baffles our, at least my curiosity on just how certain things happen. Like it happens, but I just can't quite understand it. So how did this star get these men from the east all the way to Jerusalem? Because it doesn't say. It doesn't say it led them there. It doesn't say that it's just like out in front of them and they're walking and saying, oh, we got to go west. We got to go this way. It's not what the Bible says, actually. It just says it appeared and they went from the east and it came and they came to Jerusalem. And then after it's there, like how did it go before them? That's what the text says. It said it went before them on this five, six mile walk from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. In verse nine, as it says it did, it said, there above him. And how does it stand? Like above the place where the Christ child is. 
Like so many questions, right? Like I have so many questions about how this actually went down. Here's the reality. We don't know. Well, I've read multiple articles over the years trying to figure out what this star actually was. Like, is it a star like I know? Like, what is it? And so all sorts of things I've read. I've, I've read that it's a conjuncture of planets actually, or comets, or, or supernovas, or even, I even read Saturn and Jupiter maybe leaning in to Leo. There's so many different ideas of what actually happened. Here's what it is. We don't know. And listen to me, I don't know that it matters. I don't know that it matters at all what's actually happened. What's obvious to me about this star is it's doing something it cannot do on its own. That's not what stars do on their own. It's doing something that only God can do. It's leading pagan magi to the Son of God to worship. And the only person that can be behind that is God himself. So already, man, we could take that and be done even today. The lesson is really plain to me already. God is guiding foreigners to the Christ to worship him. And he's doing it by exerting this global influence and power to get it done. The gospel of Luke though, which is incredible. You look over the gospel of Luke and you'll see that God is influencing the entire Roman empire that it just so happens we need a census at the exact time that we could fulfill this prophecy. This virgin girl would come to Bethlehem and she would fulfill this prophecy with her delivery. And then we see Matthew showing God influencing the stars to get these foreign magi to Bethlehem so they can worship. That's God's design. Like he's been drawing men to himself forever and he's still doing it now. Listen to me, his aim is for the nations, all the nations, all the nations to worship his son. Listen, he is the God for everyone. He is the God for everyone at your work. He's the God for everyone on your block. He's the God for everyone in your neighborhood. Even in your home, he's there, needs to be there, God. Most people, if you think about it, so we were taught most of the time in church, most people come to Christ because there's a herald. Someone stood up and they shared the gospel. They hear and they respond to the gospel. But what about these men? No, no, no. No one shared the gospel with these men. Nobody sat down and said, let me show you the bridge. Let me show you the separation between you and God. And Christ came, there's a cross in between, and you cross over. Nobody does that. Yet these men were drawn to God. Like God did that all by himself. God is not only saving people by the proclamation of the word, but he draws men unto himself because he is the God of the nations. They're searching for a savior. Maybe they didn't even know it. I talked to a guy this week. He said, you're trying to tell me you think they followed. Some people think this journey could have been a couple years. Like you think, like literally they don't even even know the Lord. They're pagan at 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 their core and they're just following. I do. I do think that. I do think that God will draw anyone unto him whether they know it or not. You were created to worship the living God. You may just not know it yet. But that's why all of us were created. They're searching for a savior. And let me ask you this this morning. What are you searching for? Like, what is it that you're searching? What are you longing for? So historically, Jews have always been waiting on a savior. They they learned this for thousands of years. They've been taught this. How about you? Like, if you're being honest with yourself, like, what are you searching for? Are you searching for success? Are you searching for recognition? Are you searching for peace or love? Let me tell you, I don't think there's anything wrong with searching for really any of those things I just listed. But I would say this, all of those, all of those, when you find those, they will come up empty. 
They will sustain for a short amount of time, but they will come up empty. Like if you ever search for the perfect gift, especially on Christmas, right? Like the gift you just, you got to buy somebody. Or how about this? How about that one gift? If you have kids, there's always one gift that's just crazy. Every Christmas, like you can't find it. Who knows what's that? Some dude buys them all up, bogarts them, sells them on Craigslist for like twice the amount of money. Like literally, like think about historically, like all these gifts. Remember Cabbage Patch dolls? Remember those? When I was a kid, man, people are, people are, attacking people for a Cabbage Patch doll. Beanie Babies, man, those things went absolutely bonkers. Tickle Me Elmo, remember that dude? You couldn't find that guy anywhere, man, because some guy had about 50 Tickle Me Elmos at their house just selling them on the market, right? Furbies, fingerlings, Zuzu pets, there's something new all the time. And so think about this. I, I don't know, maybe you've been lucky enough. What if you found those for your child? I think it's great if you did that. You found those, but you, I hope you know this. If you were lucky enough to find those, that gift that you got, you worked so diligently, so hard to find. Listen to me. If you got one this year, I just want to give you a heads up. It's going to get boring for your children. It is. It is. And and eventually, it's actually going to wind up in the trash. And listen, it's not kids. It's adults are the same way. It's the same way. How many of you guys have the iPhone 11? Anybody have that? So I, I got it, man. We was time for an upgrade, and I got it. I'm like, you kidding me? Three cameras? What's up, dude? Like, I got this incredible phone. I'm like, what do you got? A little two camera phone nonsense? Like, I got three cameras. It's wild, man. It's incredible. These still these pictures I'm taking, unbelievable. I don't know. It was a couple months ago. Like, literally, I'll have now junior high kids see that I had that phone, and they'll say, "Dude, are you serious? You got 11 Max? You got this?" And I'm like, now, literally, I'm, I'm a couple months in. I'm like, um, uh, yeah, I guess I do. Like, I don't even realize what I have. I don't even, it's just a phone. Like, at this point, like, the, the newness has wore off. How many of you have ever got a new car? And you've decided, it'll never get dirty. <laughs> I'll cut my kid if he eats a french fry in here. Like, I'll whip you, I will whip you. Like, it's never, this is going to be the best car ever. Like, it's, it's, it's literally, it's going to be like, the, the, this is my world. I'm going to keep it clean. I don't know, a couple months go by, that thing is so dirty. You don't even, but you don't care. Like, look, that newness kind of wears off. I mean, it happens to me all the time, man. I get something new, and I'm so jacked up about it. I'm so excited about it. And then just a few months go by, and, it, and it's nothing. Listen, everything, everything we could list outside of Jesus eventually will leave you empty and searching for something else. Listen, the great thing about Jesus is, though, when you find him, man, let me tell you, you find way more than you ever hoped for. And Jesus will do everything to get you to help him find him. And the wise man, man, he used a star. Kind of weird for me. I'm not a star guy. Kind of interesting, but he used the star for the wise man. I, so I don't know about your journey. I don't know what your journey looks like, but I know this. I know God is patient, and somehow he got you here today. Right. Maybe because it's, it's, it's close to the Christmas, and that's why he came. And that's okay. I'm, I'm thrilled that you're here. But I, listen, I don't think it happened by accident at all. I believe you actually have found what you're looking for. I don't think you're here by accident. You are here, I believe, because he led you here. The Lord used a star to get the wise men to Jesus. But listen, it's not always a star. It could be a number of things. And maybe this, maybe you would say, yeah, pastor, I get that. But I've walked with Jesus for years. I know that he led me years ago. What's that got to do with me? Let me ask you this. Let me ask you about your light today then. Like has your light, how has, has your light been someone, something that someone would follow to Jesus? So Matthew chapter five says, you are the light of the world. He's talking to believers, the church. That's what you are. You are the light of the world. How many of you guys feel like the world's kind of dark sometimes? It's fine. There's an answer. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. 
nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand and it gives light to the entire house. In the same way, this is for you, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now he uses you to guide people to Jesus. Listen to me, you can't save him. Don't hear me wrong. You can't save them. You didn't die for them, but he created you to lead people to him. Does your light shine bright enough that people want, that see it, they want to follow Jesus? Like is the light that you take from this place, maybe like, is it, is it bright enough in your workplace? Like are you shining enough on your city, on your block? Like literally, is, is 7-Eleven different because you walk in there every Monday morning? Like, is, is on cue different when you get a cup of coffee? They see you coming. It ought to be different because you carry the light of Christ into that place. Listen, 7-Eleven is a dark place, right? I mean, when you carry the light in there, it ought to be different. Think about where you go. I think about that all this time to myself. Like, look, the places I go, not because I'm great, but because I carry the light that's great. Like, it ought to be different that I come into contact with people because I carry the light of Christ with me in these places. Does your light shine bright enough that when people see it, man, they want to follow Jesus? So, so what are you searching for? What are you searching for? Let me ask you this also today. What are you worshiping? What are you worshiping? Because some scholars say, and we don't know a lot about these wise men, but I read a lot, a lot of things that people are a lot smarter than I am. A lot of people think that there's a chance that each one of them were from a different land altogether representing kind of the entire world that's bowing down before Jesus. I don't know if that's true, but it's an incredible picture. Like this idea that they're representing the world. So what we have is, we know we at least have this. We have these men who are from a far land. They recognize Jesus as the Messiah when most of God's chosen people didn't. Let me just show you what I'm talking about. In Matthew chapter two, verse four, we read this. But listen to what's going on. Herod's trying to figure this out. He's confused. He doesn't understand like they do. And so he's asking all these questions about where's he born? Where's this Christ child born? And, and listen, just listen to their answer. Listen to their demeanor and how they answer these questions. And so he assembles all the chief priests and scribes. He wants the smartest people he, that would understand something, that understand the law, they would understand the prophecies of what we know as the Old Testament. He would understand those. Teach me, where is this Christ child? So he assembles the smartest people he can of the people. He inquired of them, where is this Christ to be born? Y'all should know this. So where is it? I don't know. Where is it? They told him quickly in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, and by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So here's what blows my mind when I read this. Like, why didn't they start gathering their stuff? Like, why didn't they start packing their bags? I mean, they're the chief priest and the scribes. They know the promise. They are experts on the Messiah who is to come. They're not taken by surprise on this. But if you look, let me look how quickly they answered. Herod is like, where's he going to be born? He says, well, that's easy. The prophet says in Bethlehem of Judea. But they're not gathering their stuff up. It's just weird to me. Like they're not gathering their stuff. They're not making a beeline to Bethlehem. They're not, they're not running outside looking for the star in the sky. In fact, upon hearing the news, there's nothing in the scripture that, that would indicate they moved at all. And they know this story. They know what is to come and they do nothing. Like what happened to these people? 
Like, what happened to them? They know this. They know what is to come. They've been praying for God to send the Savior this entire time. Like, how can you be so trained in the beautiful, deep truths about who God is and then be unmoved by them? Church, listen to me. You've got to be on guard against getting over-familiar with divine things. I'm telling you, when we get over-familiar, man, when you don't meditate on, you don't dwell on the magnificent, like this story is a pretty big deal to our faith. Like if you're not moved, you're not mesmerized by this stuff right now, you'll tend to get indifferent toward things you should not be indifferent towards. So now we have men. We have men who are experts on the scriptures and they get the news from King Herod. Hey, apparently there's a king been born. Where could I find him? Oh, easy. Micah 5 says he'll be in Bethlehem. Like they know instantly, yet they don't move. They've become experts on who he is, but they refuse to go where he is. And, and my fear is this for us. My fear, especially in the Bible Belt, man. We, you're, you're hard. There are much more people. You would say we are a reached nation here in this country. We are certainly in the West. We are a reached nation. So there's not many people that we stumble upon who's at least never heard the name of Jesus. There's some, but very few people. There are many people in our, in our world, in the Bible Belt, that grew up in the church. Here's my fear. We come to know so much about God. Some of you could slay a Bible trivia game, but my fear is we're not following him. Like we know so much. We know all the right things to do and all the things not to do. That's what happens in Oklahoma. We know the things not to do. And we begin to think that's our relationship with Christ when really our relationship is that we would follow him, we would chase after him, and ultimately we would worship him. But my fear is, man, we became knowing a lot of facts about Jesus, but we just don't know him at all. And these dudes, man, they become experts on who he is, but they refuse to go where he is. So they may be worshiping something, but it's not the Christ child. And I just wonder how many of us get sucked up in the same trap where we know who he is, but we're not following anywhere. And so listen, in this season, man, you know how easy it is to know the story of the manger, to know the story of the wise men, to know the story of the shepherds. And that's great information, but listen to me, information doesn't change you. Revelation changes you. Christmas means Jesus came to us to serve, to, to die for us. Listen to me, you can't have Easter without Christmas. You understand Easter's our Super Bowl, right? You get that? Like you can't have Easter without Christmas. Like there's no resurrection if there's not the baby. Like it doesn't happen. It, but it's not about just knowing about Jesus. It's about worshiping. And worship means to give worth too. So are you doing that? Are you doing that? Do you feel like you give worth to Jesus on a daily basis. Because for me, man, and I'm not the anti-Christmas guy, man, I'm not at all. I love this. I'm a little stressed about taking all those lights down that I put up in my house, but like I'm not, I, I love it. But my fear is in this season, and myself included, that we honor the things, the traditions of Christmas more than we do God. Like, like we give more honor to Santa than Jesus. We enjoy the beauty of a Christmas tree more than we enjoy the beauty of the cross in this season. All of us will, will tell the story to, to twas the night before Christmas, but are we telling our kids why the Christmas is really about and what we really celebrate and why we would worship, why we would come to church on Christmas Eve really is to worship Jesus. So what are you worshiping? What are you worshiping? Because here's the reality. Everyone was created to worship. You may not know that you were created to worship him, and that's okay. I think there are people that are all in different walks of life. But the reality is you worship something. We all worship something. What are you worshiping? Let me ask this last question. What are you giving? 
What are you giving, even this season or just in life in general? Because a wise man, what we think at least, possibly were incredibly wealthy dudes. Like even to make that kind of trip. Like that trip could have been a few years. Like anyone will just make that trip. Like they probably were pretty well off. Most likely lived lives with everyone else meeting their needs. And then if you watch what happens, they have one encounter with Jesus and they bow to their knees and they acknowledge who he really is. They worship him and they give him these significant gifts. Man, they give him gold, a gift for a king. They know, right? They want to give him a gift that's for a king. They acknowledge that Jesus is the king. They give frankincense, which is a gift for a priest. They, in the incense that was burned in the temple, by giving it to it, they acknowledge that Jesus truly is the high priest, the one that would bring you and I to God. And they gave myrrh a gift for embalming the fragrant ointment. They would anoint the body before burial. And by giving it, man, they, they acknowledged that Jesus had come to die for the sins of the world. So we know this, right? We know this. Tis the season to give. Like we know that. Christmas is all about giving, but it's not always about the way we think. Now we're going to give presents at our house, and I'm sure you do, and I think that's incredible. That's not exactly what I'm talking about. The first Christmas really was God giving his perfect son into the dark world. And so I know there's a bit of a black eye in the church today that the church is all about your money. Church is about giving. It's, it's this, it's this, it's this. Listen, listen, it's the pinnacle of our faith. Like we have no faith if he doesn't give. Like it is the catalyst for who we are. Of course we're about giving because he gave. He gave, he gave, he gave. And you and I, man, we reap the benefits of that. The first real Christmas, man, God gave his perfect son to a dark world. Can you imagine as a parent, man, can you imagine sending him, knowing what he would face, knowing how he would die? I mean, why? Why? Why would God send his son from a perfect heaven? You know, it's always been perfect, right? Like it's not something something new. It's perfect. He sends him from there. Here, why would he do such a thing? We know it, but we forget John 3, 16 says, because God so loved the world. That's why he would do it. It seems crazy to me. But God so loved the world. That's why he did it. God didn't send his son because he was angry with the world, but because he had compassion on the world. God gave a son. The wise men gave gifts. I want to challenge you today. What are you giving? What are you giving? I heard a story this week, uh, and I'll be honest, I don't even know if this story is true. I read about it. But it was a story in the early 90s that a couple uh, American missionaries went over into Russia. And they were there to uh, teach some ethics and classes in the schools. But they also went around to orphanages and taught all this stuff. And they did it. It was this time of year. And they did it by way of teaching the Christmas story, traditional Christmas story. And so these, some of these kids, man, they never heard this story at all. So they have a translator that's involved. And they're, they're teaching all these things. And what they do at the end of it, man, that for what kind of makeshift crafts, man, they have, is they're going to let the kids kind of build a craft of the lesson. And so they got some cardboard that they break and, and make where the kids can make a manger. And so then they, have, they don't have any yellow material, so it said they had a yellow napkin. And so they, they, they tore off little tiny strips so they could make hay out of that. And then it said a lady, uh, a lady had like a, a plaid uh, shirt I think she was going to throw away. And they cut those off so it could be a blanket for Jesus. And they had some felt that they could cut out and make. I don't know what those would have looked like, but they would have cut the, 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 the baby Jesus out and to lay him in the manger as they told the story. And so all the kids are doing that, having a blast. And the translators and the teachers walk around and they see this one kid, man, there's, the weird thing is, man, there's, there's two 
babies in the manger. And so they're like, uh-oh, a little lost in translation. You're like, what have we done? Try to teach this story accurately. And so they brought the translator over and said, well, what's going on here? What happened here? And so they asked the young boy. And so he tells the story, he tells it perfectly up into the part where it says they laid him in the manger. And so then he got to kind of ad lib a little bit, kind of adds part of his story. And he says, about that time when they laid him in the manger, he said that Jesus asked me, do I have anywhere to go? And he said, I, I told Jesus, no, I don't. I don't have a mom and I don't have a dad. I, I have nowhere to go. And then he said that Jesus told me I could go with him. Like I could be with him in the manger. And so he, the little boy said, I said, I couldn't do that. I can't do that because I don't have a gift like all these other people. Like I don't have a gift to bring. And he said, what if this, what if I laid next to you and just kept you warm? Would that be a gift enough for this child? And he said, Jesus said, that'd be the best gift anyone's ever given to me. Listen to me. Jesus wants you and he wants all of you. Think about your time, your talent, your treasures, and the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 that for where your treasure is, your heart's going to be. And so how think about this. How you spend your time, your finances, tells everything you need to know about yourself and what you actually worship. And so today, man, we're, we're, we're taking up Jesus' birthday offering. We've talked about this for several weeks. And, and I want to hammer this today because what I'm asking of you is 100% of you to participate because we're giving 100% of this away. And listen, if you're new here, man, you don't know me, but I hope you know me. Those of you that know me well enough, man, I'm not out to get your money. Like I've got a theology that say, well, God would take care of this church regardless if we gave today. I'm positive of that. What I want you to do as your pastors, I want to connect you to the heart of God, the heart of Jesus by giving to those who are less fortunate. One encounter with Jesus, the wise men shifted from a life being about them to a life being about Jesus. Listen to me, it's virtually impossible to be obsessed with Jesus and obsessed with yourself at the same time. Most of us today say, I'll give him anything. Listen, he doesn't want anything. Listen to me, he wants everything. Never in the scripture does Jesus call for anything less than everything. But listen, when we give him everything and everything is truly his, man, he takes us on the most fulfilling, incredible journey that we could ever dream of and bless you in ways you cannot ever imagine. When we serve Jesus by giving of ourselves to his people, to reach his children who do not know him, let me ask you this, what can you give this Christmas? Can you give yourself? Can you give your story? Can you give your love, your encouragement? What can you give this Christmas? And so I want you to bow your heads. I want, I want to say a prayer for you today. And just as you sit there, I want you to answer these three questions. What are you searching for? We're all searching for something. And again, I don't think some of those things are wrong. I don't think it's wrong to search for success. I don't think it's wrong to search for peace in this season. I just want to make sure we're aware of the fact that unless it's Jesus we're searching for, it will come up short. I would be careful even in your own marriage. If you're searching for complete happiness in your spouse, be careful. You're setting your spouse up to do something that only Jesus can do. What are you searching for? And the second thing I want to ask you is, what are you worshiping? If you're honest with yourself, do you just know a lot of facts about Jesus? Or are you worshiping? 
And ultimately, what are you giving? And I do, I do want to ask you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, nothing like that. I just want you to, to sit there and ask God, take, take a few seconds. God, what do I need to give to this Jesus birthday offering today? Maybe that's a dollar. I don't know. Maybe some of you in here need to underwrite this entire thing. But just ask him in your own words, just quietly, God, what, what do I do? How do I give? I want to give to your children, those that are less fortunate to me. I want to give less to those who have everything that I give more to those who have nothing. Or, or maybe you too would say, man, in a bit, as you told that story, I feel fine, like I'm, I'm a bit like the wise men. I don't really know why I'm on this journey. I don't really know why I even came here today. But what I know is I just have this feeling inside of me that I want to worship. And I don't even know what that means, but I just have this feeling I haven't had before. Listen, I believe with everything in me, that's God. That's God drawing you to himself. So if you have never decided, man, I want to follow Jesus and you want to do that today, I just want you to lift your hand. Man, you've never said, yeah, man, I want to follow him. I just want to follow after him today. I want us all together as a family, pray this prayer out loud together. Pray this way, Father God, thank you for saving me. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. From this day forward, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it or share it on social media and tag at VFC underscore Newcastle. If you haven't already, download the Victory Family Church app to stay connected with everything that's happening throughout the week. Thanks again for listening and have an awesome week.